Welcome to the Come Follow Me Read-Along, an informal reading of the scripture passages that go along with the weekly study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With generous permission from Thomas Waymont, the BYU Religious Studies Center and Deseret Book, I'll be reading today's chapters from Thomas Waymont's translation, which is titled, The New Testament, A New Translation for Latter-day Saints. This week, the readings are for August 5th through August 11th, and that's Romans chapters 1 through 6. So let's dive right in with Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, appointed to the gospel of God, which he announced beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who had come as a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was appointed the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship that brings about obedience, leading to faith among all the Gentiles on behalf of his name. And you are among those who are called by Jesus Christ. To all those who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For my witness is God, whom I serve with my soul in the gospel of his Son. I remember you constantly, always asking in my prayers if somehow, by God's will, I may now succeed in visiting you. For I desire to see you so that I may give you a spiritual gift in order to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually comforted by one another's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to misunderstand, because I planned to come to you many times, and I was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you, just as I have already done among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and foreigners, and to the wise and foolish. Thus, it is my desire to proclaim the gospel to you in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, leading to salvation for everyone who believes first to the Jew and also the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven upon all the ungodly and unrighteous people who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness, because what is known about God is obvious to them, for God did make it plain to them. Since the creation of the world, his unseen attributes— namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly understood in the things that have been created. So they are without excuse. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their ignorant hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image like a mortal human being, or birds, or four-footed animals, or reptiles. Therefore, God handed them over to the desires of their heart to uncleanness, to dishonor their bodies with one another, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creation rather than the one who created it, who is praised forever. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. 
for their women did exchange the natural use of sex for something unnatural. Likewise, the men also abandoned natural intercourse with women and were inflamed in their desires for one another. Men acting shamefully with males, they received in their own persons the due punishment for their error. Because they did not see fit to honor God, God handed them over to a degenerate mind to do what should not be done. They were filled with all kinds of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, depravity, full of envy, murder, contention, deceit, craftiness, spreading gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, prideful, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, promise-breakers, heartless, and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do these things are worthy of death, they not only do these things, but delight in those who do them. And now Romans chapter 2. Therefore you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge someone else. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, because as the judge, you are doing the same things. We know that the judgment of God against those who do such things is based on truth. Do you think, whoever you are, that when you condemn those who do such things while doing them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the wealth of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, and are unaware that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But you are accumulating wrath for the day of wrath, and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God because of your stubborn and unrepentant heart. For he will recompense each according to his works, with eternal life to those who, by patience, in good works, seek glory, honor, and immortality but wrath and anger for those who promote themselves and do not obey the truth, but unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress for everyone who does evil, for the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to all who do good, for the Jew first and also the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. For all those who sinned without the law will die without the law, and those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous before God, but those who obey the law who will be made righteous. For whenever Gentiles who do not have the law by nature obey the law, they become a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They demonstrate that the work of the law is written in their hearts, while their conscience bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or perhaps excuse them on the day that God judges the hidden things of humanity through Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. If you call yourself a Jew and rely upon the law and boast of your relationship to God, and you know his will and approve of its statutes after having been instructed in the law, and if you are sure that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, a teacher of the senseless, an instructor of infants, having a type of knowledge and truth in the law, then you who teach others, do you not also teach yourself? Do you preach against stealing, but steal? Do you tell others not to commit adultery, but you commit adultery? Do you detest idols, but rob temples? You, who boast under the law, dishonor God because you break the law. For just as it is written, the name of God is slandered among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision is beneficial if you obey the law, 
But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcised person obeys the ordinances of the law, will his uncircumcision not be regarded as circumcision? Then the person who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will judge you who have written law and circumcision, but you break the law. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision something that is external and physical. Instead, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is from the heart, in the spirit, and not by the written law. That person receives praise from God, and not from people. And now Romans chapter 3. Therefore, what advantage does the Jew have, or what is the benefit of circumcision? Much, in every way. First, the Jews were entrusted with the words of God. What then? What if some were unfaithful? Does their lack of faith void the faithfulness of God? Certainly not. Let God be true and every person a liar, just as it is written, so that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. And if your unrighteousness establishes the righteousness of God, what will we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath? I am speaking in a human way. Certainly not. Otherwise, how can God judge the world? If by means of my lie, the truthfulness of God increases his glory, why am I still being judged to be a sinner? Why not say, let us do evil so that good may come from it? Just as some slander us by claiming that we say this, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better off? Not by any means. For we have charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Just as it is written that there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceived with their tongues. The poison of snakes is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are quick to spill blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And they have not known the way of peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We know everything that the law says. It speaks to those under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and the entire world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law... No one will be declared to be righteous before God. For through the law comes a knowledge of sin. Now, the righteousness of God has been disclosed apart from the law, being witnessed to by the law and the prophets, namely, the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward on the seat of mercy through faith in his death. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over previously committed sins. This was to establish his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Therefore, where is boasting? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. 
For we consider that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too. Since God is one and justifies the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then nullify the law through faith? Certainly not, but we uphold the law. And now, Romans chapter 4. What then will we say was gained from Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The wage for one who works is not reckoned according to grace, but according to an obligation. The one who does not work, but has faith in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Just as David speaks about the blessedness of the person to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works, blessed are those who are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. Is this then the blessedness for the circumcised or for the uncircumcised too? For we say, faith was reckoned as righteousness to Abraham. How was it reckoned to him? Was he circumcised or uncircumcised at the time? He was not circumcised, but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness of his faith, while being uncircumcised, in order that he would be the father of all those who believe, but were uncircumcised, and would thus have righteousness reckoned to them. And he is the father of the circumcised, of those who are not only circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham when he was uncircumcised. For the promise given to Abraham and to his descendants that he would inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if the heirs are those who follow the law, faith is empty and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. For this reason, it depends on faith, so that the promise is according to grace, in order that the promise may be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only those who are under the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Just as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and he calls into being the things that do not exist, who against hope he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what he had been told, so will your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he considered his own body as already dead, for he was about one hundred years old, and the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He did not lack trust concerning the promise of God, But he grew strong in faith while giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore it was reckoned to him as righteousness. But the words, it was reckoned to him, were not written for him only, but for us also, to whom it will be reckoned to those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over because of our sins and raised for our justification.
Romans chapter 5. Therefore, because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, by faith, we have achieved access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. And not only that, we rejoice in trials, knowing that trial produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. For while we were still weak, Christ died at the appointed time for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a righteous person, although for a good person someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, having been much more justified now by his blood, how much more are we saved from wrath through him? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. How much more are we saved by his life after having been reconciled? But not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death entered through sin, and death spread to all people because all sinned, sin was indeed in the world before the law was revealed. But sin is not reckoned when there is no law. But death ruled from Adam until Moses, even upon those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the freely gracious gift is not like the sin. For if many died as the result of the sin of one man, how much more have the grace of God and the gift of grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The free gift is not like the one person's sin. For judgment, as a result of a single transgression, led to condemnation. But the free gift, following many sins, led to justification. For if death ruled through that man because of one transgression, how much more will those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Therefore, just as one man's sin led to the condemnation of all people, even so, through one man's righteousness came righteousness in their life. For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one man many will be made righteous. But a law entered with the result that sin increased. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that just as sin ruled in death, even so grace might rule through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now Romans chapter 6, our last chapter for the day. What will we say then? Should we remain in sin so that grace may increase? Certainly not. Can we who are dead to sin still live in it? Do you not understand that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized to his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead 
through the glory of the Father, even so we may walk in newness of life. For if we become united in the figure of his death, we will certainly be united in his resurrection. We know this, that our former self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will live with him. We know that Christ was raised from the dead to die no more. Death no longer ruled over him. Regarding the death he died, he died with respect to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive with God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not allow sin to rule your mortal body so that you follow its desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Do we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that if you present yourselves as obedient slaves, You are slaves of the one whom you obey, whether to sin, which results in death, or to obedience, which results in righteousness. But thanks be to God that although you were formerly slaves to sin, you obeyed the type of teaching to which you were entrusted from the heart, and that you were set free from sin and became enslaved to righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. Then what fruit did you produce in the things that you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now that you are free from sin and enslaved to God, you produce fruit leading to holiness, and its end an eternal life. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the end of Romans chapters 1 through 6 and the end of our reading for the week. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week.